Hello, and welcome to Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm your host, Pacifico Soldati. The show explores topics from law and business to consciousness, spirituality, and everything in between. We feature accomplished leaders across many fields to help you get more out of your life. You can learn more and stay up to date at theluepodcast.com. If you're not familiar with my background, I'm a helper, parent, marketer, attorney outlaw, certified mediator, story brand guide, omnist, yoga teacher, and a former paratrooper and award-winning army chef at the 82nd Airborne Division and U.S. Army Special Operations Command. I'm the founder and CEO of the Soldati Group, a marketing agency helping startups, small businesses, and law firms leverage the power of story to grow their businesses. Law, Universe, and Everything is a production of the Soldati Group. All opinions expressed by the hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Soldati Group or guest employers. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and these discussions do not constitute legal or investment advice. Today's episode is brought to you by the HOCL Association, the first trade association for the hypochlorous acid industry. HOCL is the chemical or white blood cells produced to fight infection, now available in shelf-stable form for the first time in human history. 100 times stronger than bleach, yet safe enough to drink, HOCL is the most important chemical you've never heard of. Combining the strength of chlorine with the safety and versatility of water, HOCL will revolutionize skin care, wound care, pet care, disinfection, and usher in a new era of clean agriculture. It even works as a seed-to-sale additive for cannabis with dozens of incredible benefits. Learn more at hocla.org. My guest today is Patrick Murakami. Patrick has been an actor for Spike TV, published poetry, recorded music, been on set for major motion films and TV shows, all of it while he was living life unpurposed. Depression and suicide had him down for years. Streaming on Twitch for years taught him how to build a tribe. Then two years removed from streaming, he fired his boss and launched a business. With limited marketing and sales skills, in just 16 months, he sold a million dollars in sales, built up a six-figure passive income, and launched two more entities. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Patrick. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's truly an honor and a pleasure to be here. Glad to have you. And as someone who struggled in some of the same ways, even attempting suicide when I was probably 16 years old and working through that, I'd I'd love to hear more and dive into what that journey was like for you and how you overcame it. Yeah, absolutely. So this happened really over a span of 10 to 12 years. Graduated high school, was with my high school sweetheart, thought that we had really something truly special. And basically we spent most of our early adulthood trying to figure out who we were as a couple. And so my identity was truly in like my marriage and being a, a young father. Worked at one point, three or four jobs at a time, was going to school full time. And all of those efforts to basically tr- provide a better life as a provider, she was also discovering who she was. And so basically the the long story short is that one, we didn't know who we were individually. And we knew that the things that we wanted were very different. I just wish that the uh, the history had changed a little bit because infidelity, that I think was like the biggest and the hardest piece for me is because I would have fought for the end of the earth to be with this person. Because in a lot of ways, I felt like that she showed me what love uh, looked like coming from a broken home. 
And so I downward spiraled really fast, got to the point where I, I left and moved out. We were still 50-50 with our son and, and spending all that time, but days got really dark for me. I, I cut down to, to one job, I spent a lot of time in isolation. And basically then I began to just start cutting myself to relieve some of the pain and take my mind off of all those different things. And it's a dark place to be when you can't face yourself or I don't know if I had the integrity or the adversity within myself at that time, because I'd always come from a, like I said, a broken family. I've always felt isolated, but this one, after being away from that, it's like climbing up to the top of the stairs and getting kicked back. Down. So as I'm going through really this whole journey of trying to discover myself, there's so many things that just kept going wrong. My financial were really terrible. I was basically bouncing checks to keep the lights on, paying rent in two different checks. I used to have to buy these bags of potatoes because they were like four bucks. And I would salvage that over the course of a month to be able to eat. And so you can think of any sort of condiment that was out. I've had it on a potato, mustard, mayonnaise, ketchup, steak sauce, Italian dressing, hot sauce packets, Taco Bell hot sauce packets. That was basically what I would eat. And I would eat two, three times a week. And I always made sure that when I had my son that I would have things like Chef Boyardee or mac and cheese. If he would want to go to McDonald's, we'd have to like my car uh, or my truck wasn't working a lot. So we'd have to like walk four or five miles to get him McDonald's. And uh, in retrospect, like you just push through on some of those things, but they're the nights when I was isolated and by myself, it was really hard. And so when I look back on where I came from to even just hearing you read all those things that uh, I've done in the last year and a half, it feels still feels very surreal because I was in the thick of really the worst of everything to now be like, this success me like it, it doesn't still register with me a hundred percent if that makes sense oh totally yeah when you do get into those depths when you get into those dark nights or weeks or years of the soul once you do find your way through to the light at the end of the tunnel it, yeah it can just really feel surreal you think it's not real or even for me i usually actually don't say i attempted suicide i usually say i committed suicide because i very much think in, in many ways like i killed myself and i woke up and emerged from it uh, a different person I and mean, it was i don't recommend this to people but it was something for me at the time like i actually had to do it like i had to it, and then it got it out of my system afterwards my parents everyone's like freaking out and i was just like everyone just wanted to wanted to talk about it and wanted to figure stuff out and for me like the experience did that in and of itself like i was done i was over it i was like oh i don't want to kill myself anymore i already did and like now i'm moving on and then just then slowly began to craft a totally different life for myself which that was over 20 years now but i remember it like it was yesterday and and even within the past year it go, gone through a, a divorce and obviously covid and variety of just different like crazy nonsense have come to a place where things are getting better than ever before and yeah it's kind of just like what is this real like what is happening right now but it's it's, it's a wonderful experience absolutely and congratulations to you man for being able to uh, to fight through that because not everybody gets to not everybody comes out really with that mentality or the mindset. Some people stay stuck for a very long time, but kudos to you for putting in the work. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it seemed like very little 
work on my half just like it was it was kind of just like getting it out of my system it was kind of just like any playing around the edges with it or something like wasn't gonna do it but and so if there was like a way to like for people to like safely attempt suicide and not actually do it like that might be a good like therapy but like i yeah would not recommend that i think there's like way better stuff we have now especially where things seem to be going with things like ketamine treatments ketamine infusions mdma different psychedelics where it's been really wild to me to watch the psychedelic movement of the last like couple years um at the city and state level kind of move even faster than how cannabis is still federally illegal and meanwhile places like oakland and denver you can do you can do mushrooms you can do all sorts of like random stuff and it's just what is going on (laughs) yeah yeah. wild but it's really encouraging to see especially as a veteran it's really encouraging to see like a lot of the studies coming out about mdma and other types of treatment we lose like 21 22 uh people a day to suicide in the veteran community and this is and the stigma there is so huge that you really do need the, I don't know, sometimes I call it like heavy weaponry of psychedelics to just come in there and give you some blunt force, positive trauma to just like unwind all of the things that we've been through to be like, hey, like you can just spend a little time in a K-hole or on a, you know, trip or something. And then you can come out the other side and be like, oh, life is worth living. This is all interconnected. I have value and dignity as a person and I can continue to live, you know, my life in a more positive manner and, and stick around. Absolutely. It's funny that you bring that up because one, I, I live in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado, so 45 oh, nice. minutes south of Denver. I actually have a, a friend who's a wellness coach who's actually working with a lot of psilocybin type people who are basically utilizing a lot of the, the mushrooms and stuff like that to help overcome PTSD. I also have a, a gentleman who's part of my circle where he's former Navy. Basically, the way that he describes it is that he lived with a gun in his mouth for three years. And basically Mm -hmm. committed himself to psychiatry and a psych ward to be able to obtain help. And basically, once he kind of got out of there, he started basically utilizing the mushrooms to allow him to face himself is the way that he describes it. And he said, it's not an easy thing to go through. People think that I'm just going through and then I'm just doing all this stuff. He said, it's really me going through to face myself, to restore balance, to find out who I am. He's the funny part is that he's like, my family judges me he said yet they do that while they're drinking beers in their hands and they're in, in taking all these sugars and all these things he's my stuff comes naturally he's their stuff is man-made and he's at the end of the day he's maybe we'll find out but he's in my opinion he's my stuff is more natural he's like i, I, I do that he's and then i go to the gym he's and i feel really good about myself he's like in comparison to where i was he's like nobody can ever take that away from me and how i got there so really interesting to in, in the new times of, of where we're at and, and the idea of open possibilities and outside the box thinking, which is really how I've built kind of uh, my wealth and all of the things that we're doing. That's awesome. And yeah, it's, it's been really reassuring to see that embrace of alternative psychedelic medicines and things like that, because it's okay. We've been using Prozac, Paxil, all sorts of different like antidepressants and stuff for years, whereas with all this stuff that's just for the most part come from the earth or just like slight modifications to it. It's like, you can have tremendously incredible spiritual experiences that will bypass the need for like long-term therapy or long-term drug use of, you know, sort of pharmaceutical use and everything. And for so long, it always seemed like that was never going to happen because 
once you start down the road of using psychedelics, you just kind of see that so much of what we go through and the systems that we live within are just total bullshit. And I think and so it's like just having governments allow for people to be accessing that is, I think, a really pretty powerful step in human evolution because it's going to allow us to wake up to a new future and something that we can craft together and we can build a world for all of us rather than just a select elite few or something. Yeah, I think that just in any sort of industry, you have the quick risers, right? You've got the entrepreneurial spirit and you've got the people who are like, I'm content with what, where things are at. It's worked for years. And then you have the people who are just like nonstop, basically where nothing is satisfied. The mentality, the process and i don't want to say anti-corporate it's just everything is not okay because there has to be something there's something that calls out to you that it's no we need to challenge the status quo but the interesting part is that there's certain things that are used to divide us right politics media and so it's hard to know where to trust what you know because there's so many different things that are already dividing us so i just look at it from the perspective that like regardless of where you are, maybe on the spiritual realm, right? If you have a, a, a certain deity that you believe in, or if it's just whatever it is, I've known people on all sorts of that spectrum who've experienced some sort of miracle. And so when you start to look at and realize that like a lot of the miracle wasn't necessarily something that happened, but what was everything that's ever happened to somebody or some single person, there's always been one integer, which is themselves. And so again, if you're using maybe a higher power or whatever it is, your spirituality, whatever, wherever that comes from, it starts with that self manifestation. It starts with that belief in self and that confidence. I use the law of attraction. So my background is that uh, I grew up a Christian. I still practice that religion today. But I, for me, like this thought of free will was always, oh, it's I make a decision and one door opens and another one will, will show up or consequences. But uh, I never really put the two and two together that like free will meant like I can pick and choose how I make my money. I can pick and choose what businesses I, I can run. I can pick and choose who I spend my time with. I can pick and choose my spouse. I'm not necessarily dedicated to uh, this one person if it doesn't work like a lot of people did when they first get married and things like that. And again, if you look at the general hierarchy of, of uh, the Christianity piece, they look at me and they're like, oh, he's divorced. Maybe he's not a, in, in the traditional sense, but nowadays most people are statistically. I'm not divorced three or four times as it tends to typically increase for most people. So just once uh, remarried, have a, a son. and But when you look at kind of those things in terms of everybody's story matters, Every single person has come through some sort of form of adversity. I love this. I love two different memes that I use all the time. One is basically grow through what you go through. And then the other one is basically that failure is not the opposite of success. It's the contributor to success. Totally agree. Yeah. So it's been interesting to dissect and learn a lot about myself along this journey, along with what am I capable of? As you mentioned in the title, I literally worked for corporate my entire life. I worked for a video game company that got bought out by Blockbuster. We all know how that turned out. Then I went to working for a major insurance company, spent a decade there, did a small stint for a uh, financial company, 
and then they'll end up going to one of the biggest insurance companies. And basically it's that same thing over and over is they just stack more work on top of you and keep you at the same pay. They're competitive with uh, as many people are there, but they don't want to shake things up too much. So if you're an outside the box thinker, your ideas are okay as long as it fits within that realm. Same with the whole uh, growth mindset. Companies and corporations nowadays will promote a growth mindset as long as it fits the mold of what they're trying to do. Hey, we're going to incorporate uh, this growth mindset where we want you to set your own goals. But now people are complaining about their statistics, so we really want you to best yourself. But if you start to go too far off of that, then you're like, ah, oh, that really doesn't fit what we're trying to do here. So when I left, when I fired my boss, I literally had no skill set outside of basically being on the phones and I knew how to interview. And having basically done interviews forever, because I used to basically host a digital open mic on Twitch, people would come in and we would connect on Discord and we basically just have people share, read their poetry with their writing. I could easily pull up video to take a look at their Pinterest or their Etsy accounts and showcase some of their art. And I started off on a gaming website, playing video games to hosting a digital open mic where we would average 75 to 150 people every single Sunday night of people who just wanted to be immersed in the arts. People who had never shared before, people who Mm. Um, hadn't written in 20 plus years, people who didn't have an audience. And then we would have people who just wanted to show up just to support and I utilized that same mentality on how I was going to build a business. I was going to build a tribe. I was going to connect with like-minded people. And so for the first nine months, I think I was take, averaging 30 to 40 coffee meetings, starting my workday at four or five o'clock in the afternoon. I had been open for about nine months when COVID hit. So March was my best month up to date. I had hired my first employee on April 1st, and it was literally just continuously to... I stopped talking about the business in my meetings and I just started asking three simple questions to people. One, what are you passionate about? Two, how can I support you? And three, what kind of connections do you need? And literally by asking those three questions, that changed my entire life. I went from basically having and asking for opportunity for business. My goal was always 10 to 12 uh, policies a month. In April of 2020, I wrote 55. In May, I wrote 65. Fast forward, here we are. We're getting ready to hit our two-year mark. I have four employed full-time sales. I've got a part-time admin. And then I launched a secondary business for life and business coaching. I have two international clients. We have four or five uh, here. And this was something within the last three months that we launched. And then now we have a podcast production. And so we're signing on podcasts to be part of our lineup. And the goal would be that we get to not only immerse each other in helping support and grow podcasts, but also the, the goal would then to be able to sell the entire lineup or create our own network and our own platforms dedicated to podcasting. And so we have really a lot of great financial backing from people who basically just love what we're doing. Uh, we've got a guy on the inner circle with Tony Robbins. He's been a financial coach in that realm. We've got another guy who's in the inner circle for Grant Cardone. So a lot of these things, if you would have told me a year and a half ago, that would be one person away from Grant Cardone or one person away from Tony Robbins, or that I would be interviewing or working in collaboration with guys who have written five to six books and are making millions of dollars. I never 
in a million years would have ever thought that. And yet here I am sitting here talking about it, being able to throw these names out there. And it's not just those guys, right? It's got a soccer player who launched an international academy in Italy. First one ever. And he sold out in a month. This is a guy who is like, hey, bring me back on your podcast. I want to go ahead and help you grow. It's just the connections just don't stop. And when I look back and I think about that, it ties back to the kind of that self piece. I ask for all of this. I continually ask for all of this. And so you're never going to hear me complain about being tired. You're never going to hear me complain about being too busy because I ask for all this and I relish it. Oh yeah. I totally feel that. Like I was talking to someone earlier today. Like I can't imagine ever retiring because I just love working. <laughs> I love helping people and I love yes. meeting people. And I think like they say, variety is a spice of life. I love finding the diversity, experiencing diversity of life, traveling the world, meeting people from all different kinds of different cultures and seeing different ways people live and just all different ways you can be a human. It's like oh. this in the US, you try, people tend to get blinders and the best thing, as much diversity as there is here in this country, by and large, we live the same way, like 70% of the time, probably. Mm -hmm. um, and there's all the little idiosyncrasies of a given family or a given region. But you go to other parts of the world and it's just like so totally different. But then it's really cool because you get to see like, we're all human beings. We're all manifestations of the universe experiencing itself. And we all have the same sort of fundamental wants and desires, whether it's family, whether it's love, whether it's just enjoying life and finding happiness and stuff. And so there's so much more that unites us than divides us. We just have all these bullshit power structures get in the way of seeing that and everything. But I think I look at platforms like TikTok, which I think is the greatest mass source of democratization of information since the printing press. You find information on there that you just couldn't find anywhere else. I've learned more about business in six months on TikTok than I did during my MBA and like tactical stuff. It's like, actually, like, how do you do X? And yeah, and then you just get to see so many different cool cultures of just like people being their authentic self, weird selves, just doing different stuff and just making life happen. And it's just such a really cool window into the human race, like writ large. I love it. Absolutely. I'm glad that you've mentioned that because um about a year ago when the pandemic hit, I actually, I don't go out of my way to make memes. Okay. But I did for this one. And I basically said, I don't know who needs to hear this, but TikTok is not the answer. Right. Well, I look <laughs> back now and man, my business partner has grown 1500 people in a month, 1500 followers. For me, I'm like you said, being able to learn something in such a short amount of time, 15 to 60 seconds, and you're learning more than you are spending hours with people. It's incredible. And to me, I look at everything from an artist's perspective, spending a lot of time in the creative writing realm, poetry. Clubhouse is another one that I'm really enjoying. I get a chance to participate in open mics every day. I'm also being inspired by other people and what they're writing and perspectives. I'm all, uh, I think the first day I was on there, I connected with a guy who's got like $380 million in uh, real estate assets in Hawaii. So to be able to connect wow. with people on that type of level instantaneously and get the chance to meet them in real real time so it's kind of a lot of these people who are reluctant to some of these things because of whatever reasons and hesitations but really all the technology that's out there really it's you can advance your business so much faster i know that the podcast stuff that we're doing is going to accelerate uh, the amount of guests that we've had i think our first five guests 
have a combined following of like 20 million and 350 million dollars in assets we've got some pro athletes that are coming on so when you look at all of those things you're literally in this digital world that we live in it's really you're only probably one or two people away from your ideal client or your ideal connection versus before it was like the was it the uh, seven degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon and things like that? Much just like everything else with the digital world, it's a much accelerated accelerated rate to be able to connect with people. Yeah, it's really been incredible, and yeah, I definitely feel like yeah, between Clubhouse and TikTok, that sort of democratization, like just through audio and video, um, it's just so much faster than any like written social media platforms or text-based social media platforms. I've always loved Twitter because when I first got on Twitter, I don't know, 10 plus years ago, the only thing I used it for was following comedians because I was like, mm -hmm. oh, this is so cool. I get to have every single comedian I love like just messaging me in my pocket. And then you're just yes. like, you can read like any funny stuff. And then I really started to expand from there. And it was like just following intelligent people and successful people from like, all over the world and, and then i was just thinking like you know, people like criticizing yeah there's a lot of problems like with a platform in various ways but at the same time i'm like i would think back to what if you lived in like tierra del fuego like during the time of like socrates or plato mm -hmm. and you could just read what they were saying that is what it is and it's just, that is such an insane technology that's just like now we take for granted but it's so incredible just to have like everyone has their own like little tiny megaphone then of various sizes based on your following but it's you can just put stuff out there and it's if you're interesting if people like what you have to say and, and want to build that up and then if you do cool shit outside of twitter then that builds it up and it's just but there's all these sort of different loops that get created just reinforcing your content all over the place and just allowing you to make connections that are absolutely incredible just the connections i've made through this podcast, and this is like the 23rd episode I've done. And I've gotten to talk to cool people from all over the world about some that like, I had no idea, like how amazing the conversation was going to be. And it would just be like mind blowing. And I'd be like, Oh, yes. my God, I want to talk to this person for eight hours. Like, let's, yes. go sit in a, let's go sit in a clubhouse room. And just I go in some of those clubhouse rooms. and They're like, we're here for 12 hours today. And you're like, what are you doing? This yes. is ridiculous. And they just the the endurance of some people on clubhouse. Oh, I know. I, I get notifications from some of the people I follow. And it's, they go from room to room. And they're there for hours. And I'm getting pinged in. And I'm like, I'm Guys, I got to work. What's amazing about what you had mentioned about the times of all the different scholars and things like that. I look at a business from the existentialism group as well. Why was it that all those guys like Edison and Einstein and all those, like all of those guys, right? They were able to sustain and every single name in that category of, it, of that group all went on um, to do great things. A lot of them, of course, was after, maybe not during their time, but... When you look at that and you look at who you're surrounding yourself, there's a book called Tribe of Millionaires, and they were the ones that created that concept that talks about you're the average sum of the five people that you hang around. And uh, interestingly enough, you can go and actually you probably, those five people that you hang around, you probably know a little bit about their financial situation. And if you take uh, an average sum of them and compare it to yourself, it's probably relatively similar. When you realize and you look at that of who you're surrounding yourself with, who your tribe is, another guy I follow and watch uh, and read a lot from is Seth Godin talks about that tribe mentality. And I think oh. it's changed. He used to talk about 75 people, right, to move up with you. I think it's now a true thousand fans. But when you realize that, like, some people don't even have one or two people that they could re rely on or support them. And so this digital age of 
being able to surround yourself, being able to create content and share your own story, being your advocate, then you start to find people. And it's so simple to do. It, you can go onto Canva or whatever. You can go and create content literally for free and find the people that resonate with you, find the people that resonate with that and start building together. But because we're so divided because of so many different things, it feels so foreign. And uh, when, when I tell you my secrets about how to grow a business, it's literally just being authentic, being vulnerable, and being willing to share. So I create content every single day. If it's not for me, it's for my staff. If it's not for my staff, it's for Instagram. If it's not for Instagram, it's for TikTok. And you can pre-plan all those things ahead of time now on uh, the Reels and on TikToks and on Clubhouse. And business has become so much easier because you don't have to go and meet people in the office. You don't have to shake hands in person. You can do a Zoom. You can. So when I look at all of those different things, there really is no nothing that I'm doing that anybody else hasn't done. I just show up and I just basically show up authentic. And again, I don't have to talk about business. I just learned the algorithm for Facebook and I connect with people and then I cross post from my business page when uh, I'm, I'm in, in a couple of big groups here in my city. So when the word insurance comes up, we get tagged 50 to 60 times. Somebody counted that between that and then my responses of just saying thank you. We have 125 comments out of 160 comments because it's that persistence of showing up and just acknowledging people, making people feel like that they matter, even if they tag you. And even if we don't close business, it's the thought. And for us to just go back and say thank you to every single person, it's a little thing. But for them, they're like, why wouldn't I want this guy to win? He helped me grow my business. He's helped support me. He says thank you. It's those little things that people have forgotten by the wayside because our opinions and our political <laughs> debates and the right or the ability to have to be right have all overtaken some of those smaller things. And really, when you look at it, like nobody wants to do business with the guy that has to prove that he's right all the time. Yeah, I think it's been really interesting just to this past year meet a lot more like minded business people and entrepreneurs who are like, fuck competition. I'm all about collaboration. Let's be collaborative. Let's work together. This is a team sport where we're all trying to win the game together. And it's as soon as you meet someone like that, it's just, and you're on the same wavelength, that's you're going to work together. You just sync right up. And then met some guy yesterday through business network from like the UK. He's like a big, like podcaster has a huge following. And I was like, Hey, love to have you on my show. And he's like, Oh, thank you so much. Let's do it. And everything It's just like, <laughs> like, it's just that easy. And then I had people, I had a bunch of other people that I was like, I want to, I got to get this person on my podcast. And then the first moment I talked to them, they were like, can I be on your podcast? And I was like, Oh, I came here to ask you that, but <laughs> right. yes, absolutely. So it's, you just think of, Oh, this is, it's going to be like hard and that's, but it's, it's easy. Everything just, you just put yourself out there and you just show up. And that's one thing, right? It's like, you look at like podcast statistics and it's like, I think something like 20 or 25% of podcasts only have one episode. Um, yeah. And, and uh, so it's just, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> yeah. And in the, in the last 60 days, right? 85% of them that happened all during COVID. Cause I went, I went from 30 or 40,000 to a million podcasts, but 85% of them haven't done anything in the last 30 to 45 days. So again, I mean, it's a huge opportunity for those who are consistent, those who are really passionate about it. And when I think about what this podcast stands for, the law universe and everything, um, trying to inspire people in, in law and business, philanthropy, spirituality, technology, sports, all that stuff. But like, I love that the idea is that collaboration over competition mentality that 
we want to find people who are dedicated in their craft. A lot of times what holds us back from doing things is ourselves. Absolutely. 5%, I believe, is the number that I believe of how much we judge ourselves versus other people. Have you ever heard of that iceberg theory? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I use that for my employees all the time. You're judging yourself and you think that people are judging you because they see this iceberg, but it's really what they don't see underneath. It's the failure, the sacrifice, the disappointment, the discipline, the hard work, dedication, all of those things. That is really what makes that iceberg so beautiful up top. But we think that people see all the judgment up top, but it's really all the things that they don't see. And that's, of course, where we build our integrity, build our character, draw that line of sand that we're never going to cross and then start making decisions. And so when you remove the judgment piece, it's so much easier to show up authentic because you judge yourself the most. You judge yourself the harshest. It doesn't matter uh, at that point now if other people judge you because guess what? They're never going to say worse things than what you've ever said to yourself. Oh, yeah. I couldn't agree more. And it's funny because like you look at statistics like that and it's like obviously – if you're thinking about yourself 85% of the time, then like nobody else has time to think about you. <laughs> exactly. right? just, come on. Like everyone's fighting their own battles. Like they're just, everyone's so in their head about their own shit that yeah, no, nobody's got time for that. You're just like, you're such a small piece of anyone else's world, no matter how big you are in their world. Yeah. And one of the things that I love this saying is you're never going to be judged by somebody doing more than you. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Patrick, I'd love to know how is a failure or an apparent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite failure? I think that failure is necessary. I don't know where this mentality came that failure is not a necessity because it truly is mm, probably the, the biggest key to success. I guarantee that uh, anybody that you go through on the podcast, anybody that's successful, they will tell you that they've failed more often than they have succeeded. And for me, the biggest failure really was... Um, when I first started, I was trying so hard to do what everyone else does in the industry. I'd sit there and I was trying to like figure out how do I generate leads? How do I pay for leads? Do I sit here in the office? Do I cold call? Do I go out to meet people? And so I, I tried it all and I failed at every single one. My, my favorite one is the scripts trying to send scripts through Facebook Messenger. And I remember specifically, there's this girl, we've known each other since elementary school. And just catching up and basically she said, oh, how's business going? And so I basically just said, you know, I'm surprisingly busier than what I thought I would be at this point. I'm really excited for how it's going. And if you're ever willing, I'd love an opportunity to see how I can take care of your insurance and find you maybe some better pricing, better coverages. That was a conversation killer. She didn't really care. She just wanted that generic answer of, oh, things are fine. How are you? <laughs> and I didn't know that because I was trying so hard and so desperately to basically do what I could to talk about it, find opportunity. And then as I told you, I stopped talking about business when I met with people. I committed myself yeah. that I went into business to be able to create the time that I want. How many opportunities did I miss? How irritable was I being in the sales environment every single day? coming home to my family. I was like, I didn't want that anymore. So I just started plugging into that servant's heart mentality as to how can I support you? How do I help you? Who can I connect you with? And then people started to really ask about business. 
and people start saying, well, who do you need as a connection or how can I help you? I don't want this to be a one-sided relationship. I don't want to just take, I want to make sure that you're supported. Can I give you an opportunity to run numbers for me? And it, the secret sauce really wasn't then about not asking for the business. It wasn't communication. It was literally just being in the moment with the people, taking that opportunity for that coffee meeting to just say, I, I don't have a time agenda for you today. If you have to go within the hour, that's perfectly fine. But tell me what's going on with you, who you are, what is your vision, what is your passion? And when you start talking on that level, when you start understanding why people are doing the things that they're doing, what their why is, what that chip on their shoulder is, then you have a better understanding as to how you can better support that person because it's not just about the sale. It's not that you scratch my back, I scratch yours. It's no, these are my people. And I think that you're going to find one or two of them that are really going to connect with you and be great resources of value and vice versa. And when you start connecting people and you start connecting the dots and you start uh, putting all that stuff together, you can fail. And the only thing that you can't fix is basically how people feel when they walk away from you. Everything else is fixable. Oh, yeah. I oh, totally love that. Patrick, what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life? Think and Grow Rich is my go-to. I know it's a bit outdated. That is... Classic. Yeah, that book I've gone through. And, and I read avidly, but I'm not like the guys who are pumping through a book a week. I have to dissect and, and digest a lot of it. But that book I've read seven times in the last two years. And every time I go back, every time I'm stuck, I just peruse through that and I find exactly what I'm looking for. One of the first things that uh, when I first got into business, a guy was talking about him being a successful realtor in Washington, D.C. He sold his first home, I think, at a New Year's Eve party without ever looking at it. He would go into open houses because realtors weren't there. And he'd turn around and get the clients because he was there. And he basically said that one guy just kept telling him, read the book. And he'd show up and he's like, okay, I read the book. What's next? And he's like, read it again. And so I kind of took to that mentality that when I'm stuck, I can go back and I can find maybe what I need out of that book. As I talked about, Tribe of Millionaire is another one. It's huge. That taught me a lot about the type of tribe that I really want to build, accountability, guys who are doing great things. I recently shared my weight loss journey on social media, so on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. But I lost 35 pounds in five months. And I had COVID back in December, the worst end of it. My wife, she's a the real hero. She had a kidney infection and a ovarian cyst burst while on top of COVID. We were both miserable trying to take care of each other. But with the weight loss journey, I pretty much said the best for everything else. I was like, I really want to start feeling healthier. I know that there's unsaid judgment when you're not taking care of yourself. And it also says, if you're not taking care of yourself, how can I trust you with my business? So I started really focusing on the things that I could there. So drinking water, a lot of water, eating more vegetables, simple things, cooking more at home, going for more physical activity, even if it was just walking. All There's all kinds of these different things. And then the last book I think is called Unfuck Yourself. That is a great book to change some of the mentality and some of the mindset. And then again, in my background of the Bible, I feel like that everything's written off of the book of Proverbs for business. So I go back and I do devotions on that because that really is all the things that basically successful businesses operate off of. And if you go and you actually look at all um, the book of Proverbs, it literally is a key book. And uh, if you look at some of the, the chapters from Think and Grow Rich, a lot of them are basically taken from that. So I feel like that everything stems from that. Fantastic. Patrick, this has been an awesome and fun and enlightening conversation today. And I 
definitely would love to have you back on the show sometime because I feel like we could talk for, for hours. And so that brings me to my final question of the day. And that is, what is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you? Oh, man. I, uh, there's so many things out there. But if I had to pick just one... You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to default to my wife. And I think part of the reason why she is my wife and during the darkest moments, during a time when I was unpurposed, she was not afraid to tell me that I was not living up to my potential. She was not afraid mm. to be bold and tell me, you have so much to give. You have a lot of love to give. You have a lot of people. Your story is barely scratching the surface, right? Because yeah. I would write all these negative things and these poems and all these things that were basically just so ugly. And now I go back to my writing and a lot of these things really don't have – I can't write in that format no more. I did recently have a, a piece that I wrote recently, and I can close it on this, but I think that my wife really inspired me to be able to – pursue the very best versions of myself. Patrick, thank you so much again for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure to get to speak with you. Likewise. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I greatly appreciate it and uh, appreciate your time. Absolutely. Today's episode was brought to you by the HOCL Association. If you're an HOCL business owner or looking to join the industry, visit hocla.org to learn more and book your free consultation today. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us so that others can find it as well. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the LUE Podcast or visit our website at theluepodcast.com. And if you'd like to support this show even further, I'd love to invite you to become a patron of the show. For as little as $5 per month, you can help us continue to produce high quality shows with amazing guests like you heard today. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash the LUE podcast. We look forward to having you tune in next time for the next episode of Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm Pacifico Soldati, wishing you peace, love, and awesomeness. Yes.